In today's episode of Board Game Impact, we talk about great games to play at that two-player count because we're celebrating the week of Valentine's. Stay tuned. Welcome to episode 30 of Board Game Impact. This is Bruce. This is Josh. And in today, we've got something very interesting for y'all. We're actually going to be talking about games that are great with two people. So not just two two people only games or things like that, um, but really just games that we found work really well at two players. So if that sounds like something of interest to you, uh, make sure to do hit that subscribe button so that way we can get content like this out to you every other week uh, via this podcast. So Josh and I both work in education, both love board gaming. And so what we're doing is we're sharing our experiences with you so that way you can have informed decisions for yourself and your gaming group just to make things better and give back to this amazing hobby. Um, So Josh, there's a couple wayfinding things. So this is coming out this is the week of Valentine's Day, so we're not doing Singles Awareness Day um, <laughs> in this episode. But really, regardless if it's somebody uh, who's a loved one or a significant other or just that really good friend or a buddy, it's really just great games to play with two people. So we're not saying this is the perfect game for date night. Um, actually, some of these games are pretty competitive, so that might be interesting. Um, but that being said, if you are celebrating anything, we hope that it is a wonderful time time um and so yeah so with that being said josh i think it's really important um to just jump right in with this one and let's get back to our roots a little bit and so listeners we're going to go to games that are really 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 old uh first (laughs) really old Um, these aren't the games we typically pull off the shelf but it's important to know if you had to make a choice to play old classic, I mean classic board board game that pretty much everybody would know when you say the name of it. Josh, what would it be and why? So I didn't go quite as old as what uh, you did or maybe what our listeners might expect, but my go-to classic game is Stratego. Uh, Stratego is a game that I grew up playing all the time with my brother and it is really the game that I credit with me being a, a hobby board gamer for me being so invested in this. And I think as you'll see in a lot of, or at least a couple of um, the other games that we talk about this week in terms of two player games that I think are really great. I think you'll see some of that shine through and the influence that that has had on me. So um, Stratego for listeners who may be unaware of what Stratego was or is um, very simple game Two armies. Um, You have uh, units numbered one through 10 as well as bombs and a flag. And it's really just capture the flag but you set up your units any way you want. You make moves directly forward. Uh, You attack, and if you attack a unit that is a higher number than yours, you die. If you attack a unit that is a lower number than yours, you lose, the exception being the 1 and the 10. The 1 loses to everything but the 10. The 1 kills the 10, and the 10 kills everything but the 1. Really, really neat, really fun game. 
cannot recommend it enough. It's a game that I would love a really nice copy of. Um, mine is from the early mid nineties. And so it is shown its wear and tear and it has gotten a lot of love and a lot of play over the years. What about you, Bruce? What's your classic two player game? Sure. And just to point it out there. So it is pretty old though, Josh, it is 1946. Uh, sure. It's not as old as mine. You're right. Uh, mine <laughs> is pretty, pretty classic. My game, if I was to be playing a game would be backgammon. Um, don't get me wrong. Love playing chess. I actually am killing for a, like a really nice wooden heavy chess set, but backgammon is the game. Um, so when I was growing up, um, but I've also traveled all around and I've, and I've picked up different copies all around. And this is backgammon was the game that like my mom and I would just play two player. Um, she grew up playing it in college and things like that. And then as I've evolved and um, added on a permanent roommate with my wife, um, she also picked up the game of backgammon. And it's just that go-to game that we'll play sometimes just to play something where we're not really thinking about it and just making some fun decisions just to do something cathartic together. It's just a really cathartic release and energy, uh, ener really uplifting energy-wise. So it's really good. Now, I will say we don't use the, what's called the doubling cube where you take like bets um, to see if you can beat somebody. And then we don't do any of that. We just play like regular old backgammon. Well, Bruce, why don't you, you stick, kick us off with, uh, some of your more modern or up-to-date games, uh, as what do you go to for, um, some, some more modern games for our listeners? Sure. I am going to stick with the, a game that is just for two players first, um, kind of stepping into the water here, um, before going into the deep end. And I'm going to go with Star Realms, um, by White Wizard Games. Um, so Star Realms is, so I grew up also playing Magic the Gathering, um, and have kind of moved away from the collectible card game games. And Star Realms is really nice because you each start with the same basic hand of cards. And then there's a little tableau in the middle and you're on your turn. You can either attack the opponent and try to wipe out their health from 50 all the way down to zero, or you can add cards and, or you can add cards uh, by purchasing them from that middle tableau. And so you're essentially building your deck over time. Um, this is a game I have played a ton of I have it even on as an app on my phone. And so when I'm flying, it's my go-to app that I'll play. Um, so it's really fun. There's some different factions in it. They just did a Kickstarter for like a super anniversary edition with all shiny cards, um, which is pretty cool. So I think they're going to do some late pledges. If you want to check that out, hop on over to Kickstarter. Uh, but this is a game, especially when my wife and I moved from California, Texas, um, and she was coming in late from work and things like that. This is a game we'd play because it only take about 15 minutes. So yeah, have have you played Star Realms, Josh? That's I was just about to say. Actually, that's um, really interesting. I've never actually had had a chance to play Star Realms. Never really looked into it a whole lot. Um, deck builders aren't really a go-to mechanic for me, but I think as a two-player game, that's a really neat way to go about it. And um, no, definitely sounds interesting. Um, something that that might be worth looking into for for me and my wife. It's nice though. You can pick it up for like less than 15 bucks. So, um, and there's a lot of replayability. So yeah, that's what I'd go with. Um, Josh, how about you? So I will also stick with, uh, just a, a straight two player game, um, off the back here. And this is easily become my favorite two player game, uh, over the past couple of years. And that is 
talk or tack, depending on who you <laughs> ask. Um, uh, published by Cheap Ass Games. Um, talk is a game. One, I love it just based off the story. Um, so it is a game that is introduced through one of my favorite book series, which is the uh, King Killer Chronicles, uh, specifically the second book, uh, Wise Man's Fears. Um, and it is a game that is talked about in that book, though never really described. And uh, this game designer uh, came to the author and said, hey, I want to make this game real. Uh, I want to make this game feel like it is as ancient as you talk about it in the book. I want to work with you. And so the two work together to create a game that truly does feel like a classic backgammon or chess or checkers in terms of pretty simple pieces, pretty simple moveset, but a really deep, rich, complex strategy. So um, you are on your turn. You can take one of two actions. You have a five by five grid. Typically, you can do bigger, smaller, depending on who you're playing with. But uh, you're on your turn. You can either place a piece or move a piece or move a stack of pieces. So you can jump on top of an opponent's um, piece and, and claim control of that stack. And as you do this, your goal is to connect two opposite sides of the board in a connecting line. It doesn't have to be a straight line. They have to connect in some way. It's just a really, really complex strategy game that I I absolutely adore. I have a very, very basic set. Uh, I kickstarted it at the lowest possible level. So all I got was a handkerchief with a five by five grid and a set of pieces. I went to Ren Faire that year, bought myself a leather pouch. And now I carry around my talk set in a leather pouch. Um, I'll go to Renfests now with it tied to my hip and just oh challenge gosh. strangers at the bar because it's that easy to learn and that much fun to just sit down and play a few rounds. Really, really enjoy it. It's a great game if you've not checked it out. And if you're interested or like abstract strategy games, I can't recommend this one enough. Yeah. This game's phenomenal, y'all. So I remember when Josh first brought this to game day and he's like, you have to play this. Uh, I'm like, what are we doing? Because there's no board. You just pulled a handkerchief out of a leather bag. <laughs> 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 um, and because it's not a normal thing. Um, but honestly, it's a super ton of fun. Um, there's two versions out that you can pick up mass market. So there's talk and then talk colon a beautiful game. And then there's the Talk University Edition, which is significantly cheaper. It's less than thirty, um, and it's I mean, these are all wooden pieces and stuff. So it's really really good. So I have the University Edition, Josh, um, and this is one of those games that if it's my wife and I going to like a local pub um, or like a brew house, that's a game I would bring because like hey, somebody spills, I don't care. They're all wooden sealed stained pieces. We're fine. Um, it's like almost like. Every bar should have that game, honestly, in my opinion. 
I and I and I carry it with me pretty much everywhere I go. It, it sits in my car or it sits in my travel bag wherever. Um, I love that name as well. A beautiful game. It's that's the description that is used in the book is talk is a beautiful game. And it really is. I think they, they really hit the nail on the head with that. So listeners, we're going to jump into some games that aren't traditionally two-player, always two-player, but they can work well. Um, And so since I just talked about alcohol, I'll go with this one. Um, So I'm going to go with uh, a publisher we've talked about quite a bit on the show lately, and that's Stonemaier Games. Um, And one of the first games that they put out was Viticulture. Um, So Viticulture is a game where it's a Euro game where you are making wine. Um, So you're throughout the course of a year. So you're planting uh, different different varietals, then you're going to harvest them and then you're going to crush them, um, which is the process of squeezing out the juice of the grapes. Um, and then you're going to ferment them and then you're going to age them. Um, and so this is a really cool game. I used to work in the wine industry. I've talked about that a couple times. Um, and so this is just, it stood out to me in a lot of cool ways. Um, I love the fact with this game that it takes you like three turns to actually produce some wine. So you have to do some futures planning, but for those who aren't aware, if you actually were to go and plant a vineyard, you ain't selling wine for at least three years because the grapes aren't usable until like the third harvest. Uh, the first two ones are just to develop it. So that's actually like super, super thematic. Um, but this works really well at two players because there's different spots for you to place your workers. So it is a worker placement game. And you can place on different parts of the board depending on what stage of the year you're in. But it's super easy to approach. Um, There's different circles, though, for which ones you'll use when it's two-player, which ones you use when it's more three- or four-player. So that's just awesome. It just scales really well because I've also played at the four-player. So if you're wanting a game that plays well at two, that's more of a Euro game, deep, heavier thinking, but also will play well at four. That's a really good one. Yeah, viticulture is uh, probably not surprising to listeners who have been around for a while. A, a, a fantastic game. I really love viticulture. Um, I don't think Stonemeyer Games put out a game I don't love. So um shouldn't be surprising, but viticulture is great. I've never played it at two, so it's interesting to hear you say that. Uh, I typically have played it four or five players um, whenever I've played, and so... Um, Bruce, my question for you is, is, and I think we've talked about this in the past maybe, but when you play with two player, are you playing base viticulture or are you playing essentials or any of the 300 other? Yeah. So listeners, so the game, the original game came out and thank you for helping me clarify, Josh. Um, I have one job on this thing and that's to give accurate information. Um, Viticulture came out, and then there was an expansion called Tuscany, um, which added some more variety. It added some other scoring things and some different ways to do some things with your board. Um, That being said, there was this community that kind of popped up on BGG that kind of found like, but what about if we just take the base game, and then we just like pick and choose the things we really like? that really most likely should have just rounded out this experience. And so the the game that I have, and thank you for helping me clarify this, I have Viticulture Essential Edition. I am not playing it with Tuscany Essential Edition, which just adds on the remaining Tuscany things. Um, so my Essential Edition is base Viticulture with the stuff from Tuscany that Stonemeyer believed like, hey, actually... 
I want you to play it like this. Um, so yeah, Viticulture Essential Edition. It's amazing. But I don't have the visitors and visitors and more expansion. I'd like it. I just haven't gotten it yet. Uh, I would be interested. I've actually never played base uh, or, or even essential viticulture. I've only played Tuscany, so um, really, I, I'll have to I'll have to give that a shot as uh-huh. a two player game. Yeah, it's really really fun, um, and like I said, it's very thematic. So I recommend y'all check it out. Um, I'd recommend essential edition is the way to jump in though, because then you could always go down or you could go up. It's just a good way to go. Um, yep. That being said, Josh, what about a game for you that's not always a two player game? So I'm going to go the opposite way of you, Bruce. Um, You went to a bigger game. I'm actually going to go to what is technically a solo game. So uh, a game that is designed to be played by yourself that I think plays really well at two players is Nemo's War. Uh, So Nemo's War is a game about... uh, Captain Nemo, um, you take on the role of, of Captain Nemo and his crew as you sail around the world in your uh, submarine vessel. The and Nautilus. The Nautilus, thank you, drawing a blank on names here. Um, so you sail around in the Nautilus, and it's really very open world-ish. So you can take on different character types or character traits of Nemo. You can be the warmonger who's going around and starting fights with the imperialist nations uh, in order to assist in the uprisings of native cultures and native civilizations. Or you can go diving for treasure and just sail around the ocean looking for buried sunken treasure. Or you can you know, become a, uh, a merchant Marine and, and kind of sinking these merchant ships and, and picking up their goods. It's just, it's so you can very, do whatever you want. Very, very thematic in terms of kind of playing out this character. Um, and when you play with two players, you kind of switch off and on between being the captain and being the rest of the crew and you make different decisions at different points. It's a really great game for some uh, two people who are just looking to tell a story. And as you play through, you get these little narration cards and they're things that come from Captain Nemo's adventures and you read them and you make a decision and you roll the dice and see if you succeed or fail. It's it's a really, really excellent game. It's a fantastic solo player game. I, I love having this in my collection but it's also just a great way to spend an evening with a friend or or a loved one or or someone who you just want to have that communal experience of really telling a story yeah it's it's really good josh i remember when you brought this to um the one of the pubs that we go to um the irish pub actually and mm-hmm. uh, we were actually playing it four player, which is like super not two player nor solo game. Um, I think it's still one of my favorite memories in gaming because we had a rule. Um, and I'm curious if you would do this at two players. And the rule was that whoever was the captain had to be addressed as such. 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you should address the captain as captain. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's really it, it becomes really interesting when you get to those higher player counts because you can then turn it into a semi cooperative and and you're trying to be the better captain. But I really think this game shines when it is a purely cooperative effort and your goal is just to tell the best story. But yeah, absolutely infuse that flavor of, <laughs> of referring to Captain Nemo as Captain. Yeah, and that's not actually something we've talked about a lot on the podcast, but like how can you as a gamer, and this is probably something we should do in a later episode, um, how can you as a gamer do things outside the game to make the experience? Um, like adding a rule like that or etc like taking a card out of a game or um have like house ruling things to for everyone's benefit might be a cool thing to do um so stay tuned for that one y'all <laughs> <laughs> um i so, had yeah what's up go ahead go. i was gonna ask um yeah so so what else do you have here bruce yeah so i've got a couple um i can choose from i'm gonna go with one that is technically two to four but it you don't you should never play this at four players ever <laughs> Um, but this game, and I'm going to build it up just a little bit. So a while ago, I talked about how people had been pestering me to make a top 10 list and how I don't really feel like that's fair. Again, used to work in the wine industry and like sometime, sometimes you want that like perfect deep red wine to go with that steak. Or sometimes you want this like nice light white to go with this cheese or whatever. Um, and I view gaming situations as like that. So like you take different games out to have different experiences, depending on player counts and things like that. And so it's like, how, how can I rank these in an equitable way? And so I just forced myself um, last year, and I finally did it at the end of the year, um, to do a ranking, but a generic ranking. It's like um, I did it through the Pub Meeple ranking engine. And this game came out as my number one game, according to their ranking, um, in which how it works is they put two games up against each other and you have to make a choice for which one you want. And so after all of that, which is like 1100 different comparisons, it was a lot. It took like two hours. I live streamed the whole thing. So if you want to watch it, check it out on the YouTube channel. Um, but the, the number one game, um, apparently in my collection for myself is star Wars rebellion by fantasy flight games, um, made by Corey Konitska. And this game is really, really fun in which it is essentially Star Wars in a box. Um, one player is the Rebellion and one player is the Empire trying to squash out the Rebellion. The Rebellion wins. It's like cat and mouse in which the Rebellion will win if they just survive long enough. Um, and then the Empire will win if they find and totally obliterate everyone in the Rebel space. Um, so it's really, really fun. You're playing different cards back and forth. Um, the map is amazing. I would recommend adding in the expansion because it does iron out some of the um, combat things from the first game, uh, from the base game. It just makes it a lot faster to play, um, a little easier. Um, but yeah, that that is by far. I, I would if I get a chance. If someone's like, "Hey, want to play Rebellion?" Like, yes. It's very interesting that you say that because I didn't know that that was so high on your list. I've actually only had one chance to play Star Wars Rebellion, and and I, I, you're right. It is an exceptionally well-done game, and it is the most Star Wars, I think, a game could possibly be. 
they, it's it's really really well done, and I would agree. Don't play it at four players. Yeah, um, the you lose a lot of the intricate strategy that I think makes Star Wars Rebellion so good with the nail biting of coming down to is the Empire going to find the Rebel base and mm-hmm. and out. I'd never heard of a game. I mean, I've again only played once, but I've never heard anyone talk about a game where it didn't come down to the very end of like, it's a or B. And if I guess right, I win. And if I guess wrong, I lose. Mm -hmm. And it's just on your edge enjoyment. I, I, I don't know that it would be in my top, but I understand why it would be your favorite game. Um, and like, it just creates fun moments too. Um, so that are just like make little stories. And Josh and you and I have talked about how we like games that bring out kind of stories in each other. Um, I would recommend if you're looking at playing this, go online. And also there's a free website called rebellionmap.com. Um, this one dude's just hosting this website. It's so that way the empire player doesn't have to kind of try and keep track of all the places that they know stuff about. Um, it's a free thing, um, in the rules, it says you can make notes. So that is your notes, but I would recommend checking that out. And thank you. If you were listening to this podcast and you made that, cause it's kind of an anonymous person. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Josh, you've got one that brings in some different stories. Sure. So the game that I really have been dying to get back to the table for a while now, uh, especially now that I'm getting my wife into some more storytelling games is Above and Below by Red Raven Games. Um, Ryan Lockett, one of um, my all-time favorites, uh, really, really exceptional game designer, artist, graphic designer, everything. Literally all um, the things. All, all of it. Um, and Above and Below is not his earliest game, but I'd say probably like his breakout game. Yeah. Um, I would I would say Above and Below is probably the game that got him on the map to the extent that he is um, a really great, weirdly enough Euro game that just has a lot of story in it. Um, so you are throughout the game, you're, you're collecting villagers. You are sending your villagers off to delve below the ground into the caverns and go on expeditions and exploring. And some are really good at exploring and some are really good at recruiting and some are good at building. And you're just kind of building your, your town through these narrative stories where you're making decisions about, okay, you go down into the cavern and you encounter this monster, do you fight the monster or do you run and hide? And you roll dice and depending on your success or failure of those, you'll get rewards or your people will be injured or whatever the case may be. And it's just, I think I, I, I love all of Ryan Lockett's games. I think this is probably my favorite of his, um, just because of how, versatile and replayable it is and when you're just playing with one other player you're not really caring about who does well or who wins the game it very much just becomes this immersion into the stories that you're telling and the decisions you're making and i love 
creating narrative structure around the people in my village and why this fish person is going on all of these missions with my with my villagers and I, I it, it makes for some really really great narrative um shared experiences with with two players yeah um so was above and below the first game by red raven that you had played no actually my first red raven game was near and far okay um, surprisingly so I, which came I, out after which came out after it it has a lot of the same themes and commonalities and and really is kind of the i think next piece to above and below i prefer above and below solely because i've just i've never been able to play campaign games all that much yeah. and i've played near and far four times and all four times i played on the first map ouch um, because I keep playing with new people who've never played before. And so we want to play the introductory game and it just kind of, I, I think I would really enjoy playing near and far all the way through. It's just never something that's happened for me and above and below every time I set up and play that game, I have a different experience with it. And I really, really enjoy that aspect. That sounds awesome. Cause I honestly haven't played above and below, but I've completely played through near and far and it's one of my wife's favorite games. Um, and it, it is cool cause you play through 12 different maps and it's got like three different story modes that you can play. So we're actually looking forward to get it back to the table. Um, but Josh on that note, I feel like we'd be amiss if we didn't talk about the kind of the next evolution of the red Raven games that's coming out. Yeah, I, I'm super, this is the game I've been most excited about in a, probably in the last year. Um, I'm could not be more excited and could not be more pumped. Bruce, what, what are you, what are you alluding to here? So I'm alluding to the next game of this whole storytelling type series that Ryan's been working on, um, with red Raven. And that is sleeping gods. I know this isn't on our list, but I mean, we'd be amiss to not talk about it right now. Yeah, I uh, we we mentioned it before we started recording how excited we both are. And, and I think we have kind of similar ideas about how we'd like to see this game played because it is storytelling. It is campaign driven. So you are consistently um, telling a story over several playthroughs of the game. I think he's estimated about 60 hours of this game you could yep. play if you really wanted to. And you're telling this one overarching story. And I don't, my game group doesn't do that. We don't set aside a game day to just play one game over and over again. But that's something that me and my wife will do um, if we really enjoy it. And getting her into some of these storytelling games, I think this is the perfect thing Um you know, I'm, I, it, it, it may be a while before we have it in our hands, but when it comes, I think this is going to be the next kind of evolution in terms of two player storytelling games. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. My wife and I are going to do the same thing and then maybe play it again after, um, because just like we're out, we're revisiting near and far, um, different than near and far and above and below. It's not you each going out and exploring on a map 
that changes. Um, this is you both are on your however many players are doing it. You have a ship that's sailing across a spiral bound open open face menu essentially, and then you can sail that ship off of any part of the book, and then you'll turn to different parts because what they did is they took all the pages of the book and mapped out how it would essentially wrap around a world. So that way you can literally sail all around the world. And so I'm just looking forward to that from that kind of unique adventure with my wife, um, just like you are. Um, and I think that's why it was important to talk about it because although we're not playing it right now, it does fit completely into what we're talking about today. So Absolutely. we just can't, this is just a teaser because we can't play it when this episode is launching. It's just a sad day on that. Um, so I think it's time we should just do some honorable mentions and just kind of go back and forth on this until we kind of exhaust our list. Um, so how about we go with the one that you and I both played at BGG and like adore. Absolutely. And, and, you know, when you started describing Star Wars Rebellion, I thought for certain this was going to be the game uh, you were talking about. Sorry. Because <laughs> it can be played four player. It can. You shouldn't play it four player. It's no. a two player game. And and that's War Chest. Yeah. And I think War Chest, I, we, we could go on. For, for a while. I did a this. review just on War Chest. And it's an entire episode. Yeah. And, and and I encourage listeners to go back and listen to it. Actually, I think it was that episode or, or maybe there was a different one. But I, that was one of the episodes that got me like, man, I want to do this podcast. <laughs> um, I want to be able to talk about this shared experience that we had and how I think that was just a magical kind of night of, yeah. of going back and forth on, on a game of war chest and really enjoying ourselves Yep, with a nice glass of whiskey. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm going to give an honorable mention, um, all these games we had on our list to talk about, but we just had to see what kind of comes up. But, uh, brass Lancashire, um, by Roxley games. Um, yes, it is a more than four player game. Typically, um, there's a two player only side, but you can, I'd just recommend use that's for like a variant. Um, I'd recommend just using the regular sideboard and just listening to what cards the rules tell you to put in the game um super tight game but heavy euro in which you are taking out loans and all those kind of things um play, laying down different tracks to hopefully build your little infrastructure um my wife also loves that so she loves the storytelling and she also loves this heavier side of things too awesome um I'll give a little nod to Birmingham as well here um I, I know we kind of talked about this um, being a thing, the, a difference in us is that you've only played Lancashire and I've only played Birmingham. But there's a reason for it, Josh. There is a reason. We'll get into that another day. Yes, we will. Um, Birmingham, I, it, it plays well at two players. I, I, I would play it at two players if somebody asked me to. I don't think it's a bad game there. Um, but I, it becomes very, very tight. You really need to know how to play the game if you're going to play it at that two player count. Yeah. Um, so the game that I want to give an honorable mention shout out is, is a strictly two player game, but one that I think everyone talks about, everyone knows it as, as a great two player game. And so I think we'd be remiss to not mention Jaipur um, or Jaipur um, by days of wonder or umpteen. 
hundred yeah. other companies that it's have been published a lot, published it over the years. Um, a, a game of trading in the middle East, um, you know, you're picking up cards out of the market and selling them and trying to, to do, be the best merchant. And, um, you know, a really, really fun, light little, um, 10, five to 10 minute game to, to play with two people. So really, really enjoy Jiper. Awesome. And I know we talked about one of the most recent episodes in which that's a game you'll typically take out at like a game cafe or I will too. And you also take it on travel. Um, so hopefully this list has been helpful for you listeners as you are thinking, Hmm, what am I going to play this weekend? Um, just hanging out with one other person and or upcoming because it's it's that time sometimes for us uh, sometimes work can get pretty busy um, or that second month of the year and so you might only be able to have one person over for a game night so these are some games we'd recommend checking out um, that being said we just want to run through some things real quick um, Josh because we have some had some recent acquisitions that way you can know some of the stuff we might be talking about on upcoming episodes just kind of run through what's going on in your world Josh and then I'll run through mine Sure. So real quick, um, I've made a New Year's resolution for myself to eliminate my shelf of shame in one way, shape or form. Um, and so my shelf of shame are those games that I own and have never played or just don't play often enough. Um, and so part of that comes from just forcing people that I'm playing games with to play those games with me. But the other half of that is examining whether or not this is a game that has a space on my shelf um, and maybe getting rid of it in a trade. So while I don't really have a lot of new acquisitions at the moment, um, definitely have made a a pretty big trade getting rid of a, a good chunk of games that have just never been played and and aren't going to get played if I'm quite honest with myself and getting some things games that I do play a lot um, or will get played more often. So coming in uh, over the next week or so, I'll be getting a copy of Zulkin uh, as well as Teotihuacan. Um, both of those are by the same designer who I'm blanking on at the moment. Um, and then also... Uh, we'll be getting in a copy of the Great Western Trails uh, Railways of the North expansion. So Great Western Trails, one of my all-time favorite games, um, was just playing it a while back with some friends at game night uh, probably about two or three weeks ago, and all I heard the entire time we were playing is, why don't you have the expansion? You need the expansion. (laughs) Um, This is so much better with the expansion. So really looking forward to getting that in and getting to, to play that. Um, and then thank you, Bruce, for just sharing, um, Daniel, uh, is the designer of both Zulkin, the Mayan calendar and Teotihuacan, the city of gods. Um, both have a Mayan theming to them. Um, obviously Zulkin being the Mayan calendar, Teotihuacan being, uh, a, a, an ancient Mayan city that, um, I believe we've talked about on the game on the show before. Um, so really, really excited to get both of those. I I'm a really big fan of both those games and they've kind of been missing from my collection for quite some time. So, you know, getting rid of things I'm not playing and, and getting in some games that hopefully will see the table a little bit more. 
That's awesome. And good on you for living up to your New Year's resolutions because uh, we're already halfway into February and you're still going strong. So good on the, uh, good on you. Um, inspiration. Uh, so for me, I actually just talked about these last week in the live stream I did um, over on YouTube that I announced to the Patreon um, that I was going to be doing. So on there, went through the episodes that we were doing, but also I did an unboxing of one of these games um, just to kind of show it because I got it in the mail and like, let's open up and share that fun with everybody. Um, so I played uh, Democker, uh, or got in and have also already played Democker, um, which is by Spielworks and Stronghold. That gets reprinted about every decade. That was the first game loaded into BGG. So it's game number one. It's not the number one game, but game number one. Um, also Point Salad by AEG. I finally got a copy of that um, after it was sold out for a while. So it was now back in stock. Um, but then I also got Root the Underworld expansion in. So that is the second expansion to Root. Um, adds in two new factions, the Moles and the Crows. Uh, they have better names than that, but that's where we're going with, um, as well as a new double-sided player board. So I'm very excited to get those to the table. Um, speaking of which, if you want to hear more about like what games we're getting in or what things we're looking forward to throughout the year, um, because we're halfway through the quarter, I am going to be doing our Patreon quarterly update. Um, so if you're interested in getting that and hearing more like the behind-the-scenes stuff, do hop over there and check that out. And thank you so much to our Patreon supporters who help fund this show, um, just cover our website hosting costs as as well as podcast hosting costs. So thank you, thank you, thank you for literally making this happen. Um, Josh, anything you want to talk about real quick? Uh, I think that covers everything that I wanted to mention. Um, so as always, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, joining us um, on today's episode and, and in the future. Hopefully you'll come back and give us a listen. Uh, always appreciate any feedback that y'all want to give. Um, and Bruce, I'll turn it over for you for the rest. Sure. So in the last episode, I talked that I have this major exam for my PhD program. I just want to say thank you, everybody, for reaching out and sharing some well wishes. So at the time of this recording, that is still before this episode goes live. Um, and it'll I actually take that exam on Valentine's Day. So something extra to celebrate there. Um, so Valentine's Day, I'll be taking that exam. So any well wishes would be greatly appreciated. Um, that also being said, at the end of the month, I'm going to be in Atlanta for about a week um, for a conference. And so I might be able to sneak away at some nights, but pretty have, heavy, have pretty heavy days. So if you know of any good game cafes in the area, or if you want to try and get a game in, just shoot me a message and we might be able to see if we can schedule something up. So that'll be fun. So it's the last week of February. Um, but really, that's everything for today. Um, thank you so much for listen, to listening to Board Game Impact. Uh, hopefully, the, learning about the games that we would recommend for you or also the gaming experiences that we're having would uh, make a positive impact for you and your gaming group. Um, It'd really mean a lot if you could tell your friends about the show. Um, also rate it in whatever podcast app you happen to be listening to at the time. Uh, just to help kind of spread the word. It's that season of love. So just sharing some love with us would be wonderful. Um, that being said, if you have any questions or want to shoot any well wishes or things like that, or if you're trying to let me know about things to do in Atlanta, um, shoot us an email over at boardgameimpact at gmail.com. Besides that, just go out and have a positive impact on the world. <laughs>